0: A couple years ago, I think it was a couple years ago, Anthony Kent mentioned to me that the section of the Bible we call the book of Luke is structured in such a way that it really shows and affirms the value of women. He told me that in Luke, there is, the way it's set up, there's a story about a man, and then there's a complimentary story about a woman, and then there's a story about a man, and then a complimentary story about a woman, Parable about a man, a complimentary parable about a woman, and sometimes Luke gets crazy and he mixes it up. And there's a story about a woman first, and then a complimentary story about a man. And I was thinking about that. It being a short preaching schedule for me, Pastor Matthew was supposed to preach this Sabbath, but uh, he received some news about his mom's health. And so after we talked, we felt that probably the best thing and easiest thing for him would be for uh, me to preach. And so, but we want to ask you to keep Pastor Matthew's mom, Vivian, in prayer. And Vivian, if you're watching, we're praying for you and we're praying for God's divine miracle. That's what we need, folks. So I want you all to pray for that, please, indeed. But I was thinking about on this, again, because it was a short week, I was out of, the, out of the state, actually. I was traveling down south for some meetings. And so on this shortened time schedule, I was thinking, I mulled over in my head all the things I could say about. This gospel of Luke, which William Barclay refers to as the gospel of women. It's a book that mentions women more than any other book in the New Testament. Thirteen women are introduced to us that we would have no idea who they are if it were not for the gospel of Luke. I called Ed Zinke to, to ask him a question about the book of John. You might say, what does that have to do with the book of Luke? But I called him and asked him a question about the book of John in relation to the book of Luke. And I had all these facts and ideas together and I put them all together. And I preached uh, yesterday afternoon my sermon to Christina and my three sons. And you will not be hearing that sermon just for the record. Christina and two of my boys, Levi said, I think it's a great sermon, it's really short. I was actually, that's my nine-year-old's opinion of the sermon. But Christina and two of my boys said, why don't you uh, pray about it more and go back to the drawing board? So this is take two on the Mother's Day sermon today. And Christina didn't hear this one, so if you just think it blows up, then uh, don't blame Christina. We're so grateful for the women in our lives and for how they speak into our lives. When I think of the two most difficult messages ever shared, in my opinion, in the history of Christendom, in this context of relationship to Christ, they were both preached, they were both shared, By women. The first I think of, and I think it is the most difficult, was the message of Jesus's arrival to this earth. It is found in your Bibles in Luke chapter one. It's a story we read every Christmas. Luke chapter one, beginning in verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee even elizabeth your relative is going to have a child in her old age and she who was to be unable to conceive is in her 6th month for no word verse 37 for no word from god will ever fail and then mary responds i am the lord's servant may your word to be be fulfilled to me be fulfilled then the angel left her The difficult part of this message was not Gabriel delivering it to Mary. The difficult part of this message, which we probably forget about because we're so used to the story in the context of Christmas, was Mary having to deliver this message to everyone else. I imagine it in my my mind's eye. Mary going, Mom, Mom, Dad, I'm pregnant, and and I picture this scene like this. Mom begins to start, begins to cry. Dad starts to scream, "I'm going to kill Joseph," and no. Mary says, "No, no, no, no! It, it, it wasn't Joseph," and now mom just starts to wail. What? What? A, the dog I and dad is turning multiple colors of red, shades of red. Who is it? And then she says, well, it is God. Listen, young lady, do not blame God for your sin. <laughs> do not blame God for your sin. Well, well, the angel told me to blame him. He said, I found favor with God and, and and the Holy Spirit would just pass over me. And then when I woke up, voila, I was pregnant. Stop fooling around and tell me the truth. Well, mom and dad, there's more to this truth. Actually, the the child that's inside of me, it's actually the Messiah. I'm pregnant with the Messiah and I'm supposed to call him Jesus and and he's gonna take over David's throne and he's gonna reign forever and ever and his kingdom's not gonna ever have an end. and, And mom and dad are just going, what? Who's the father? No, I'm a virgin. No, no, stop. Just who is this? This is the hardest message ever given. And God entrusted it to a teenage young lady. The number one selling book on schizophrenia written by Dr. Fuller Torrey. He writes in the book, Surviving Schizophrenia, that half of all people that suffer from schizophrenia in the United States have religious delusions. And he spends a whole section of his book writing about these religious delusions. And the top two religious delusions for women are that they are a prophet or that they have conceived without having sex. That they have conceived and they are carrying a divine being in them. That's, there's sections of books written about what this girl was having to share with the world. That is the toughest message that ever has to be shared about Jesus. And we know that the story wasn't believed by by many people. Matthew chapter one, verses 18 and 19 this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit because Joseph, her su- husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in his mind to divorce her quietly, to leave her quietly. And then an angel comes a the Lord and helps him to believe in this once ever, only one time ever, never heard of it again, miracle, but we know from this story that that word had gotten to Joseph. She's pregnant, and guess what? She's saying that it's the Holy Spirit and that it's a Messiah, and Joseph's like, you know what? I knew she was a little young. We'll just separate quietly from her. Mary was the first one as that maybe overplayed Mark Lowry song is was the first one to carry the gospel. The good news that the king was to be born. But it wasn't a good news probably to many in her town. It wasn't a good news maybe to her small Jewish family. Her pregnancy would have been embarrassment, a shame. What she was claiming would have brought even further shame. It would have shown some sort of mental imbalance. But Mary preached this message in a visual way and with her words for the next nine months and then for the rest of her life. And here was her response to the call to preach that message. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. This is tough, but I'm the Lord's servant and whatever the Lord calls me to do. It's your message, Lord, she says, and I'm available to share it. Philip Yancey said it like this. Often work of God comes with two edges, great joy and great pain. And in Mary's matter-of-fact response, she embraces both. She was the first person to accept Jesus on his own terms, regardless of the cost to herself. She was the first person to accept Jesus on his own terms, regardless of the cost to himself. This was the toughest sermon ever preached. Tougher than preaching a sermon on a short week or tougher than preaching a sermon that you had to rewrite because your wife told you that your first sermon was no bueno, no good. The second toughest sermon ever that I believe the second toughest this sermon that was ever preached was the sermon of the resurrection of Jesus. This one seems that it might've been a little bit easier, especially in their world, because, because they had seen resurrections. In fact, many of the people had seen Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead. So, so it wasn't completely unheard of for, for people to be raised from the dead. But what, it, what made this sermon difficult, more difficult, was that there was no body, no physical body that, that anybody could see when the message was delivered. And the only other people who had observed the resurrection at at that point in time had been knocked flat by angels and then had been bribed by some crooked religious leaders to never tell anyone what actually happened. In fact, they said to these these soldiers, here's the story you are going to tell. You're going to tell everyone that the disciples, that the followers of Jesus are lying about the resurrection of Jesus, that they are going around and spreading a lie that Jesus is raised from the dead, but actually they stole Jesus's body. And the guards sent out that lie far and wide with great effect, hashtag fake resurrection. And it went all over the place. In fact, 40 to 60 years after Matthew, after this event, when Matthew is writing his gospel, listen to what he says in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 15. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And then Matthew says this, he says this, and this story has been widely circulated among the Jews even until this day. 40 to 60 years after Jesus had been raised from the dead, that lie, hashtag fake resurrection, that fake news was still a dominant speaking point in their society. So while a resurrection may be a little more believable in that day, in the initial aftermath, there was no body, living or dead, that was visible to anyone. And the soldiers had a head start on getting out the fake news. And Jesus said, in light of this conflict, in light of these challenges to spread this message, this message of the resurrection, my very first preachers are going to be a group of women, a group of women. And they were all were women. Luke chapter 24, if you want to turn there, let's read about it. Luke chapter 24, beginning in verse one. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? These, of course, were angels talking to them. He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The son of man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the 11 and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. And these men, these apostles, verse 11, did not believe the women because they thought their words seemed to them like nonsense, like nonsense. I love this line from a little book called Early Writings written by Ellen White, another preacher in her own right. And she says this, while the holy women were carrying the report that Jesus had risen, the Roman guard were circulating the lie. These powerful men empowered by other powerful men were circulating a lie, but women empowered by God are more powerful than men empowered by fellow men. Ladies and men, I hope we will all do so also. But I want us to think about that particular challenge of God's call to be voices for Him, to carry that message for Him. The two most difficult messages ever related to Christianity. One, I'm a virgin and I'm impregnated through divinity and I'm having the Messiah, I'm carrying the Messiah in me and he will come into this world. Imagine how difficult that message would be. And yet God empowered a woman to share that with the world. The second most difficult message in the face of opposition of all these men in the religious society, Jesus is alive. He's risen from the dead. We ki- they killed him, but now he is alive and well. And, and God said, who's going to be the first to carry this message to the world? This group of women. I'm going to take it to that. These are not just two of the most difficult messages, folks, but these are two the two pillar foundations in many ways that set Christianity apart from every other religion. Without the the virgin birth, there is not a Messiah. There is not the Messiah. And without the resurrection, then there is no hope for us. Paul says, in fact, that without the resurrection, that the cross is pointless. So the birth, of Jesus to a virgin and the resurrection of Jesus are the two most foundational messages in all of Christianity. And Jesus said, or God said, who should we deliver these through? Let's deliver them through women. That's powerful. That's powerful. And so ladies today, I want to challenge you whether you're in this room or you're watching to use your voices for Jesus to tell people about Jesus let Let the message of Jesus be spoken in your homes. Let the the message of Jesus be spoken in your neighborhoods. Let the message of Jesus be be spoken in your workplace. When when others are complaining, bring up Jesus. When when others are feeling down and struggling, bring up Jesus. When others are are gossiping in a circle, bring up Jesus in that circle. When others are lonely, bring up Jesus. Jesus and at times this is going to be uncomfortable at times this might be a little bit awkward but I would challenge you to say that it is not any more awkward than a teenage girl having to deliver to the world this one miracle that has happened at no other time Jesus is being born out of me that is the most miraculous sermon ever preached or the miracle of the women who or the miracle of the resurrection of Jesus and the women who had to deliver that to the world. I have seen it over the course of my life that there is a unique gift. And all of us men should recognize this. A unique intuition, a unique way of communicating that women possess to carry a message. There, There is a unique courage that women have to deliver messages in such a way. I'm not saying that, that men can't deliver those messages too, but, but there, is a, there is a unique God-given blessing in this. You've probably experienced it in your life. I've experienced it in my life. I've talked about it before, how a group of women at my local church were praying for our school. And in particular, they were praying for the troubled individuals at our school. And there was my name, Chad Stewart. And they were praying, God, save this boy or keep him away from our daughters. <laughs> and through that power of women, because women do better at this. They, they, they come together and they, they're, they're more relational. They do better than this than us. And, and they, they pour out their hearts to God in a different way. And there's a uniqueness about them. And we, the Seventh-day Adventist Church of all people, should acknowledge this, considering one of our founders, the, the one I've already quoted from in this sermon that I quote from all the time. Merlin, we have a whole department, the LNG White Estate, was a woman who delivered a message contrary to what the rest of the world believed. Women, we invite you to raise your voices. Over a hundred years ago, that founder of ours, Ellen White, wrote in the Review and Herald, which is now the Adventist Review, on January 2, 1879, she wrote this. Women can be the instruments of righteousness. And then she uses this word, these words, not mine, hers. It was Mary that first preached a risen Jesus. If there were 20, and then she continues, if there were 20 women where now there is one, who would make this holy mission their cherished work, we should see many more converted to the truth. The refining, the softening influence of Christian women is needed in the great work of preaching the truth in these days. It's for all of us, male and female, created in the image of God. Mothers and women have set examples throughout the generations, but I ask the ladies in this room and I ask the ladies online to to set an example for us. Hear the appeal of Jesus who says to you, I need you to use your voice in a way that only you can to share the love of Jesus with this world. I would ask you to be examples for us and and all of us, men and women, that we would be as bold as Mary, as bold as the women at the resurrection and by the power of the Holy Spirit working through our voices, male and female, equally, that many will accept the truth of Jesus Christ and His soon return. Ladies and mothers, I thank you for examples. I thank you for your prayers. And I would encourage you to continue to be courageous and use your voices that many more will be converted for the honor and the glory of Jesus Christ. And let no one, male or female, tell you that you are not qualified. Because God calls you and God has given you the voice and that is all that matters. Let us pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for your ministry in this church through women. We thank you so much for the ministry in many of our lives, not just through our mothers, but through the women of the church, the women of the school that have blessed us. We thank you that, Lord, though at times in history there has been opposition to women using their voices for you. I thank you, Lord, that you've never worried about culture or opposition. That you show us and you remind us through this message in the book of Luke that even when there's a tough message to be given, Sometimes the best deliverer is a woman. And so, Lord, I thank you for that. May we, myself, others that are of the male gender, may we do all that we can to live in honor of the calling that you place on women, to live in the example of Jesus who honored women in every aspect of his ministry. Lord, and may we collectively together, male and female, have the boldness of Mary, your mother, have the boldness of the women at the tomb, and have the boldness of many others in history. And may we all be bold enough to share the message of Jesus. And may many come to know you and love you because of this. In your name we pray. Amen.